Good morning, Old Line. For most of you probably know me by now, um, but my name is Noah Davis. I am the youth intern here at Oldham Lane. Uh, I had the honor of doing this last year, um, but they've definitely been different summers for sure. But they've both been good, and I've really enjoyed my time this summer here. So, we are continuing on with the series that Chris had planned, a study of Jesus and who he is. <clears throat> and today, we're talking about Jesus as a prophet. You know, mankind likes to make predictions. We make predictions about the economy, uh, about the weather, about sports. Fortune tellers, even, are quite popular in some places of the world. People often predict when the end of the world is going to be, and it definitely wasn't 2012. Many of us remember all the predictions and the scare around Y2K. You know, there have been a lot of pretty crazy predictions about the 21st century, even the year 2020. <clears throat> in 1911, one surgeon in England predicted that by the 21st century, we would all, or go back one, we would all lose our four smaller toes, that we would have no need of them, and we'd become a one-toed human race. In 1994, the Rand Corporation predicted that by the year 2020, we would be able to breed intelligent animals that could do manual labor for us, like clean our houses, garden, and even drive us around. I mean, I don't trust people enough that I don't think I'd trust animals to drive me around. In 1959, a U.S. submarine replaced the nuclear warhead on the top of one of their rockets with mail and letters and sent it back to the U.S. as a means of mail delivery. And it worked. And in fact, the, the postmaster general at the time was so impressed with its success that he predicted by the 21st century, this would be how all mail would be sent from, from everybody. Unfortunately, we didn't get anything as cool as rocket-delivered mail. We got email, but... Well, predictions can be fun, right? But they, they rarely come true. It's impossible for mankind to accurately predict the future. However, there are people throughout history that God has used to do this very thing. In fact, it's hard to read the Bible without noticing the abundance of prophets and prophecy contained within Scripture. You know, in the Old Testament, uh, the main Hebrew word for prophet was this word nabi, which simply means someone who speaks for another. And from the beginning of time, God has desired to communicate with us, and he's often done that through the use of prophets. Prophets acted as mediators between God and his people. They were the mouthpiece of God who communicated his will to others. And Peter gives us a, a great job description of what prophets did in 2 Peter. He says, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And we get to see kind of how this interaction works in Exodus between God and Moses and Aaron. In Exodus chapter 4, uh, this is after Moses said, I'm not your God to talk. In four, verse 14, Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. Behold, he is coming out to meet you, and when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. You shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth. And I will be with your mouth and with his mouth, and will teach you both what to do. He shall speak for you to the people. He shall be your mouth, and you shall be as God to him. And we see this continued in Exodus chapter 7, verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you like God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron shall be your prophet. All of this helps us understand the role of a prophet. What they said wasn't what they wanted to say. It was what someone else told them to say. They were speaking for a higher power. So Moses and Aaron were prophets. 
of God to the Israelites. Abraham was referred to as a prophet in Genesis chapter 20, verse 7. And God has used prophets throughout all of time and in different places, many of whom wrote books of the Old Testament. We have Hosea, Amos, Joel, and Jonah, who were prophets to the northern kingdom of Israel. Uh, you have Isaiah, Jeremiah, Obadiah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, and Zephaniah, who were all prophets to the southern kingdom of Judah. You have Ezekiel and Daniel, who were prophets to, uh, during Israel's captivity. Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi were prophets of the restoration. Uh, we've already gone through a, a big portion of the Old Testament of just people who were prophets. But what, what did they do? We talked about kind of speaking for another, but what really was the role of a prophet? Well, prophets were teachers. We often think about when we say prophet, somebody who foretells the future. But their main role was actually to be teachers. And Moses talks about this in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 5. He says, See, I have taught you statutes and rules as the Lord my God commanded me, that you should do them in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. Prophets weren't just God's megaphones that shouted his, his will and just information at people. They taught people how to live. They walked with them and helped them respond to God's message. You see, God's people had constantly forgotten God. Uh, they'd misunderstood and corrupted truth. But not much has changed since then, has it? So throughout the Old Testament, we see these prophets being raised up who had the job of teaching and reminding Israel about morality and about faithfulness, about who God is. But prophets did, at times, foretell the future. And that's kind of a role that flowed out of them being teachers. There are numerous instances where God desired for his people to know what would eventually happen. And it was the prophets who were tasked with communicating these prophecies. And so in the Old Testament, we see prophecies about Abraham and his descendants. We see prophecies about the nation of Israel and even about other nations around Israel. But there's one prophecy that it's a common thread throughout the entire Bible, Old Testament and New. And that is the prophecy of the coming Messiah. If there was one thing the Jews knew, it's that the Messiah was coming. And most of us are probably familiar that this Messiah is Jesus. But what made Jesus this Messiah? How do we know that he wasn't anything more than a great historical figure? Because at the time of Jesus, not everyone believed he was who he claimed to be. There was serious doubt that he met the criteria of the Messiah that the prophets prophesied about. Even today, much of our world, when we look, looks at Jesus as nothing more than a relic of history. But he's more than that, isn't he? You see, it's when we look at Christ's fulfillment of prophecy that we can truly see and believe in the deity of Christ. It's through the fulfillment of prophecy that we know Jesus is the Messiah. It's through the fulfillment of prophecy that we know Jesus is. And there are many, many prophecies about Jesus. We're just going to look at a few of the big ones to make this point. You see, Isaiah prophesied about Christ's virgin birth. In, Matthew, or in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, he says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. And Matthew talks about the fulfillment of this prophecy. Matthew refers back to a lot of these prophecies, as you'll see. In verse 22 of chapter 1, Matthew says, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Jesus taught in parables, and this was prophesied about. In Psalm 78, verse 2, it says, I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old. And Matthew in chapter 13, in verse 34 and 35, talks about this. He says, all these things Jesus said to the crowds in parables. Indeed, he said nothing to them without a parable. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. 
Then, of course, there's the prophecy of the crucifixion of Jesus and the casting of lot, lots for his clothes. In Psalm 22, verse 16 and following, it says, For dogs encompass me, a company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. And in one simple verse, in Matthew chapter 27, verse 35, Matthew shows how these prophecies are fulfilled. He writes, And when they had crucified him, they divided his garments among them by casting lots. And then maybe most importantly of all, is the prophecy of Christ's resurrection, which was fulfilled. In Acts chapter 2, Peter is teaching a, a sermon, and he refers back to a prophecy David made. In verse 25, he says, For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad, and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades, or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life, you will make me full of gladness with your presence. And then Peter goes on to say this. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David, that he both died, he was buried, his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn to him with an oath that he should set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. And there are so many more prophecies about Jesus, and they're all fulfilled. These are just some of the big ones, but they are proof that Jesus really is everything he claims to be. He is our Messiah. He is our teacher. He is our Savior. He is our friend. But this lesson isn't about Jesus as the fulfillment of prophecy, right? It's supposed to be Jesus as a prophet. Well, there's another prophecy of Jesus that we often overlook. In Deuteronomy chapter 18, starting in verse 15, Moses is talking, and he says, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen, just as you desired of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly. When you said, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, or see this great fire anymore lest I die. And the Lord said to me, they are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers. I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I commanded him. And whoever will not listen to my words, that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. So Moses prophesied that there was this great prophet to come who would be like Moses. You see, Jesus wasn't just a fulfillment of prophecy. Jesus was a prophet himself. And so now as we enter the New Testament, the Jews are waiting for this great prophet to show up. And John the Baptist shows up first, and he starts doing some things that are a little bit different that get people's attention. And so they ask him, are you this great prophet that Moses talked about? Look in John chapter 1, starting in verse 19. And this is the testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. So they said to him, Who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. So John replies that, that he's not the great prophet, but that he, along with all these prophets and prophecies that we've talked about, have all been pointing to this great prophet that would show up. And then Jesus enters the world. And look at what people say when Jesus starts his ministry, specifically after he feeds the 5,000. In John 6, 14, when the people saw the sign he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet 
who was to come into the world. They didn't just say, this is another prophet. No, they said, this is the prophet, as foretold of by Moses. All of the prophets and prophesying the Old Testament had been pointing to the ultimate prophet, Jesus himself. And so how does Jesus take on the role of a prophet? Well, like the prophets of old, he's a teacher. And we saw in Matthew how he taught in parables. Jesus didn't just use his words either. He taught with his life. He lived the kind of life that we're all striving to live. As the prophet, Jesus is the perfect example. Jesus didn't just teach with facts and rules. He taught that the kingdom of God is relational. We've been separated from our father because of sin, and he wants that relationship back with his sons and daughters, with you and me. Jesus taught about the love God has for us, which is the whole reason Jesus was there to begin with. It's God's love that motivates our love for him and and our love for each other. The way we live our lives is a direct result of our relationship with God. Jesus helped his disciples to learn this. He walked with them. He guided them and taught them how to respond to God's invitation to join his family. Jesus still fulfills the role of prophet today. The life and teachings of Jesus that are recorded in the Bible still teach us today. But Jesus didn't just teach. Like the prophets of old, Jesus also foretold the future. And there's one prophecy that he kept coming back to. If you look in Matthew chapter 25, verse 31, Jesus says this, When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? When did we see you uh, thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you? Or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. So amongst all these other prophecies, Jesus repeatedly foretells of the end of time, when he will come back, when he will bring us home with him. You see, as a prophet, Jesus had a mission to prepare us for what's to come. There's a bigger picture to life than this physical world we surround ourselves with. That the kingdom of God is going to last forever. And Jesus wants us to live like citizens of that kingdom, not citizens of this world. That's why he keeps reminding us that there's more to come. And part of that prophecy includes the warning that, that disobedience and unfaithfulness to God has negative eternal consequences. The truth is not everyone is going to choose to have a relationship with God. But the prophecy doesn't end there. God has given us a gift salvation, eternal life, a place prepared for us in his kingdom if we will only accept it through faith. And just like the Jews looked forward to the fulfillment of the prophecy of the Messiah, we too can look forward to the fulfillment of the prophecy of Jesus' return in our home in heaven. But what, what does this mean? We've seen Jesus as the fulfillment of prophecy, and, and, and he's a teacher, and he foretells the future. But what does this mean? Well, Jesus' fulfillment of prophecy assures us of his own promises. You know, questions often arise uh, with this subject. How do we know that Jesus will fulfill his prophecy? How do we know that we can have confidence in the promise of eternal life? Well, the answer to that question is found in the very life of Jesus. 
You see, there are innumerable prophecies about the Messiah, and they're all completed in the life of Jesus. And if he was willing to fulfill all of those, including dying on the cross to redeem the world, why wouldn't he return at the end of time for his people? The very fact that Jesus came to earth shows us that he keeps his promises. It would be going against his nature for Jesus to lie and to not deliver on those promises. Furthermore, if we need more proof, Jesus made other prophecies while on earth, and they came true. He prophesied about his crucifixion, and that happened. He prophesied that Peter would deny him. That happened. He prophesied about one of his apostles betraying him. That happened. He even prophesied that the temple of Jerusalem would be destroyed, and that happened. These are historical events that we can look at and have proof that Jesus keeps his promises. And the promise of our home in heaven is no different, and we can be absolutely confident in that. One more thing. As we look to Jesus, the great prophet, we must ask ourselves, are we living life with a prophetic perspective? And I don't mean are we ourselves prophesying. The gift of prophecy ended with the apostles and those they laid their hands on. But what I mean is are we living with the bigger picture of reality and eternity in mind? Are we living for the now or are we living for what has been prophesied to come? Christ's prophecies show us there is so much more to life than this earth. And when we look at life through the perspective and lens of eternity and the kingdom of God, it transforms the way we think, the way we speak, the way we act. Are we living for the kingdom of God, which has no end, or are we living for the kingdom of, of me, or the kingdom of our political view, or the kingdom of fun and entertainment, or whatever the, our culture says we should live for? You see, the Jews were constantly living for the wrong kingdom. And it was the job of the prophets to instill in them a prophetic perspective and remind them which kingdom really matters. And Jesus does the same thing for us because it's so easy to forget. It's so easy to forget the big picture when we're caught up in, in whatever we've got going on right now. And that translates to every part of our life. Is our joy and hope based on how things are going here on earth? Because if that's the case, we probably aren't very joyful and hopeful people right now. I mean, COVID and racial tension alone have thrown our world into a pretty hopeless and depressing place, as if it was really any better before. Is our perspective on life one of selfishness and self-centeredness? If it is, what are our relationships like with others? What's our relationship with God like? Are we living life like this is as good as it gets? Because if that's true, what's the point? You see, when we live life with a prophetic perspective, with an understanding that Jesus' prophecies will be fulfilled, that he will return for his people, it changes everything. Our actions change when we live with that perspective of eternity in mind. We no longer serve ourselves, rather we serve God and others out of love for God and obedience to his will. We feed the hungry, we start to give drink to the thirsty, we welcome the stranger and clothe the naked, we visit the sick and imprisoned. Living with a perspective of the bigger picture of reality gives us a hope, a joy, a peace, and a security that no amount of disease or hatred or strife can take away. Jesus is so many things to us, but it's through his fulfillment of prophecy and through his own role as a prophet that he assures us of the promise of eternal life and he motivates us to live with that promise in mind, looking forward to the day when the prophecy will be fulfilled and we get to live with the great prophet and our home in heaven. I hope to see you there. I really do. And it's so easy to get distracted. It happens to me. We, we get so caught up in, in whatever other kingdom we're living for that we forget the kingdom of God. How are you doing with that this morning?
we all stumble. We all need prayers of encouragement and forgiveness. If you need that this morning, there is no more perfect of a time than right now to come for that. Maybe you're not a part of the kingdom of God, and you would like to join this family to be an inheritor of those promises that Jesus talked about. There's no better time this morning to come to put on Christ in baptism and to become a Christian to join that family. Whatever your need, please come this morning as we stand and as we sing.